Okay, we're back. Welcome back to another episode of The Millennial Entrepreneur. My name's Sina from starting my own business and getting funding from O2 while studying at university. I love following the journeys of other young entrepreneurs. Today I spoke to Owen Sharkey. Now you want to listen to this episode because this guy is turning poo into fuel, helping poor families with sanitation issues and also providing fuel. We cover how he's achieving this while striving to be a for-profit company, talking about the technology behind it, and the challenges he's facing with the implementation, as well as talking a little bit about the recent £850,000 grant his project received. Thank you so much for the support so far. It's been absolutely phenomenal. I really hope that you enjoy this episode. It's definitely an amazing one to record. I was so interesting learning about how he's turning poo into fuel. Like, how does that even happen? So yeah, if you do enjoy, please be sure to share with your friends, uh, leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, leave a written review as well. Uh, follow us on our new Instagram page, the link's in the description, that's where all the new episodes get announced, so it'd be really good to follow it. And yeah, let's get on with the episode. Hey Owen, how are you? I'm doing very well, how are you? Yeah, really good. How's uh, how's the whole isolation treating you? It's not too bad, actually. Um, I've been quite productive here, actually. Uh, I spend, well, I've never really worked in an office, so it's not too different. Is Biofactory still still going in the whole isolation or is it kind of kind of on frozen right now no no we're still pushing ahead uh we've done a lot of things virtually up until now and now that we've started our innovate uk projects we're kind of all hands on deck at the moment a couple of things have slowed down with looking for obviously a site and and some building materials but no we're doing pretty well we're just finishing our recruitment phase as well which is which is fantastic and had quite a lot of good applicants apply for our two engineering roles which is great you must be you must be one of the only companies in this whole period recruiting <laughs> a lot yeah, of companies no. have put that on hold <laughs> yeah it's a it's a weird position to be in um the way the way that our, our funding works is we're not really reliant on kind of the, the standard um economy a lot of a lot of the money that we're relying on for the next two years is grant funding and uh, investment that we've already secured. So we're, we're not really too affected by the market slowing down, which is great. Great for That's us, not great for because, other people. Yeah, great to hear because Biofactory is an amazing, you know, I, when, I, when I researched you, I absolutely fell in love with the idea because it is something, it's a very socially driven business. Uh, and yeah, it was, it was a real pleasure for me to invite you on. And I, yeah, I really wanted you on for the for a long time so yeah really good to have you on and i think it'd be really good for you to actually explain the whole journey from you know start to where you are now yeah i'm more than happy well thanks for having me uh, i'm honored to be a part of this which is is really cool what you're doing um i love the fact that you're you're talking with all these different inspirational uh entrepreneurs so i guess uh i guess i guess where we where, we, where i started in this journey um so I'm half Kenyan. Um, I've spent a lot of time over in Africa and I've seen firsthand uh, the problem that poor sanitation is while we're out there. Um, so I've, I've used some, well, I've used a, a type of toilet called a basic pit latrine quite a few times while I've been doing the old tourist thing and visiting friends and family. Um, I'll, I'll explain to your viewers uh, or your listeners what a basic pit latrine is, um, because I'm sure many of you haven't come across it. Yeah, before, I, like, I don't know what that is. What is that? Yeah, yeah. Um, essentially, it's it's a hole in the ground um, that's dug by kind of your your local labourer, 
And then they put a concrete slab with a hole in the middle on top of that. And then for um, for the kind of cubicle area of the toilet, it's, uh, it's made out of corrugated iron. And sometimes they have a roof, sometimes they don't have a roof. Um, they've usually got quite a rudimentary door. But essentially, it's it's the most primitive form of, of constructed sanitation that's that's um, available, and over three billion people in the world um, use them or open defecate, and so it's it's a massive problem um, these toilets because they are often very poorly constructed and prone to collapse. Um, so, from my research, every time I, I I searched kind of basic pit latrine collapse, there was an article from that previous week about how. However many people, three people, fell into a pit latrine and died, or, or whatever. So I mean, it's wow, it's it's scary stuff. Um, but essentially, yeah, these these pit latrines they promote um, bad hygiene, the spread of disease. Um, they are often kind of the ideal environment for flying insects to to nest, and so yeah. you get a you get a lot of insects that go in, put their eggs down, and then as the insects fly back out again, they take a small um small kind of particles of waste with them and spread them around to food sources or surfaces that people then go and touch and then as those people are preparing food or as they're eating that those waste particles go into people's mouths and, and kind of completes the the fecal oral disease transmission line and you get a lot of diseases through that such as cholera and um, kind of diarrheal diseases that yeah. really affect people's lives um, and kills quite a lot of people around the world. Um, I think in Africa, over 200,000 kids die every single year from from this exact problem. God, and so, wow. I mean, my my experience of, of poor sanitation when I was growing up was a lot of kind of using basic pit latrines while, whilst out in Kenya, never really thinking too much of it. I would kind of go in, think, oh, this is really gross. And do my business and, and never really think about it throughout the rest of the day. Um, but it wasn't until I did uh, I did some a stint of work in Kenya, working for a water engineering consultancy, that I really understood the problem from a public health perspective um, and, and kind of learned all these facts about the sanitation problem. And in, in that project, or in, in my time there, we, we did a project for UNICEF and the government of Kenya. And that project was to design a manual for water sanitation hygiene for primary schools. Um, and so this was really looking into how can we design a universal toilet that works in all different kind of environmental scenarios across Kenya? How can we make it so that it's simple to build, it's low cost, um, and it's rugged, um, and it provides good sanitation and hygiene? Uh, from it yeah and it was it was really difficult it was really difficult we we were kind of stuck between a wall and a hard place with unicef wanting us to meet basic principles of sanitation through our designs and the government of kenya saying oh we can't pay that or we can't fund uh we can't fund you to be sending or we can't fund the schools to be building these kinds of things because they they cost too much or so it was um, a question of it was a question of money it was a massive question of money and the more and more i looked into it the more and more i found that that 
quite a lot of sanitation companies don't work because of the money and the business behind it. And that was a key driver for me in trying to develop the biofactory as, as a for-profit business that yeah. allowed us to sustainably and uh, on a large scale implement these sanitation solutions. And so that, that was a real driver for me was to really understand where the problem lied in the, in the business aspect. Um, so yeah. what are the cost drivers in other companies uh, and how do I reduce them in order to make the margins big enough for us to kind of sustainably implement these sanitation solutions. And so yeah. I did a lot of, I did a lot of analysis, um, through that project about kind of where the, where the cost drivers were in standard construction of sanitation and, and how we could potentially solve those problems. Um, but then also looking at other businesses and understanding, all right, well, where, where does, where do the cost drivers lie within those business models and how do I overcome that? Um, and then, and in fact, uh, there was a, there was another project that I was doing for this water engineering consultancy in Kenya while I was there, um, on a completely separate project, but yeah, what were you we going to ask? The, what were you going to, what were you doing for them? If it was a completely uh, unrelated project? No. So with the water engineering consultancy, we, we worked on quite a few different projects. One of them was this, this manual for water sanitation and hygiene. Um, oh, okay. I the, see. The UNICEF, UNICEF one. And then we did other projects as well. Um, and with the, with one of the other projects, we spent about a week up in the refugee camps in Northern Kenya. And this was after I'd done a lot of research into sanitation and I, I, I got there and I was like, I was seeing basic pit latrines all across the refugee camp. And I, I thought it was astounding that we were promoting on one side of the UN with this UNICEF manual, kind of upholding basic principles of, of WASH, which is water sanitation and hygiene, an acronym. Um, and I, I, I thought it was ridiculous that on the UNICEF side, we we're promoting these basic principles of WASH, but actually in the camps where they were being uh, installed, where these toilets were being installed by another UN body, they were the most primitive type of, of sanitation available. And I thought that was ridiculous. And then there must be a way of coming up with a solution for that. And so that led me to think about the biofactory and how how I can build a business around implementing these, these solutions. So I came back to university um, at the University of Bath to finish my uh, master's degree in engineering. And in my final year, um, so just after this, this time in Kenya, yeah. I, um, I started my final year project. Um, I don't know how many of your listeners are engineers, but what tends to happen with uh, engineering degrees is that your final semester is basically one massive project um, and so I had a, a huge amount of time and opportunity to really look into coming up with a solution for this this sanitation problem um, and that led yeah. me down the the route of looking at a product-based solution um, to to really lower the cost of putting these systems in so making a system that's portable that's um, able to be installed quickly and um, basically anywhere and then uh, looking at 
ways of reducing the cost of operating those those systems um and so i yeah i was looking at other business models and and i found that a big driver for cost was transportation of the waste from the toilet to wherever you're processing it because a lot of the communities we're working in are low income and often informal um settlements so they don't have any sewage systems so it's quite it's quite expensive to do that transportation or it's yeah. very, very expensive to put in the sewage lines. And so a lot of these people don't have that kind of luxury. Um, and so treating it, treating the waste on site for us was, was a big driver. Um, trying to kind of reduce the operational costs and making it so that um, we can, we can actually turn a profit from each system that we put in place. Um, and so I came up yeah. with our, our system, which is, essentially an all-in-one toilet waste or community toilet and waste processing system um, that provides dramatically improved latrines so we, we've got uh, five toilets in each of our systems um, and we capture and process the waste through a slightly improved version of anaerobic digestion um, into biogas and uh, a soil conditioner the soil conditioner we take uh, off-site to farmland and use it as a um, almost like a fertilizer to grow crops and yeah. the biogas we sell directly back to the end user as uh, an alternative cooking fuel for charcoal and now there's a whole host of problems with using charcoal but um, I, I don't, yeah definitely don't necessarily know if probably yeah we probably won't go into that today. But yeah. like we could, yeah, no, we could no, do a whole hour discussion on that just <laughs> oh, in itself. But you've the the amazing thing that you've overcome with so this was your final year university project essentially, right? Yes, yeah. And then yeah. so final year project and then I spun it out as a company with some support from the union. Yeah. Um, so the remarkable thing remarkable thing is that you overcame so many like problems with with this solution like as you said it wasn't just a, uh, a sanitation problem it was also a a money problem for people sponsoring this and then also that you must you have to find out a way to overcome the lack of a sewage system there's just so yeah. many conflicting things that i think yeah your system addresses so wonderfully yes yeah i mean we we i think it covers a lot of bases and i'm really excited about uh, about it and we're we're actually over the next two years proving that it works in in the market. Um, so, as you could probably tell, a lot of it was uh, was is design based, and so we've got an idea for a solution, um, and we've got all these uh, we've got all all these elements of the design which address different problems, but we haven't been able to get the funds together to actually go out, build one of these systems, and test it in the market. As you can imagine, uh, a, a six-person toilet with waste processing attached to it costs quite a bit of money, especially in the development. Yeah, sounds sounds expensive. Um, and so launching the company straight out of university, uh, I had a lot of work on my plate to build up a business model that supports what we're trying to do. Um, I was really I put it, I spent a lot of time looking at different ways that we could fund that development phase. And um, initially, I was looking at philanthropic donations which uh was actually it it was it was actually quite bad for us to to start looking at those um i think that 
delayed our progress quite a lot because yeah it confused the message um so we're driving for a sustainable business that generates an income yeah exactly in order to support itself and i think looking for initial philanthropic donations gave the impression that we might be a charity and that's not yeah that's not what we are um and so i think that confused the message and and yeah drove people drove investors away at the start but we've we've recently got those funds together in order to head out to uh mozambique over the next two years to build well to build three systems and to test them actually in a live scenario validate our business model assumptions and start building a commercially viable uh company out of that. i think i think whenever you kind of go down the whole uh you know donation uh donation route there's always going to be questions around the scalability of your solution whether you know you're always going to yeah. have to ask for more donations just more money from you know rich individuals to to solve this problem when essentially it's meant to be something that sustains itself my theory is that building a sustainable business model we don't have to go out and, and spend a lot of money trying to raise money um, obviously you do with the investment rounds but once that's over and once you're yeah. starting to turn a profit it's different you use that profit to fuel your fuel your expansion and impact um, and that's that's really what i want to see yeah exactly control. yeah i couldn't agree more so let me just simplify the the idea a little bit more so basically it's a cute it's a you know it's like a box like a shipping con- container which has six toilets in as you said and these toilets are a lot cleaner than what they have now and not and so so they go do their business in these toilets and the the waste you can actually turn into a fuel that they can sell on with their communities yeah yeah that's exactly it so we so with the waste what we what we use is uh, a slightly improved version of a process called anaerobic digestion um, and I, I can give a, a bit of a simple explanation about what that yeah, process please is. Please do. Because you, you're, you're turning poo into into fuel. How does yeah. that happen? <laughs> so anaerobic digestion is the biological breakdown of organic waste into methane. Um, so what we do with well, what what anybody does to create this process um, is essentially get organic material in a liquid form. So um, mix it with water, trap it in a sealed container um, where oxygen can't get in and a type of bacteria called a methanogen um, finds that environment particularly uh, enjoyable. And so they multiply a lot and they outcompete other types of bacteria. And so they, they basically amass within this um, bioreactor that you've created and break down the organic material uh, from carb- well from hydrocarbons basically into methane um, and they get energy out of this and they can reproduce but the useful byproduct for us is the methane that's produced out of this process we collect that methane um, in a giant uh, well essentially a, a giant bladder which collects collects the gas And then we clean it and pipe it down to a community kitchen where people can come along and they can uh, use their mobile money or pay the local um, kind of supplier of that kitchen uh, some money in order to access the the cooking fuel. And what's really kind of unique about 
what we're doing is that we can provide almost a third of the fuel requirements of the community that we're we're putting these systems into. Um, wow. And we can do it at the same price as what they currently pay for charcoal. So if you imagine somebody uh, in an informal settlement, such as a kind of a shanty town, they don't have a lot of money. They don't have a lot of um, kind of saved money either. They, they spend what they have in order to buy food and buy fuel. Um, what we're doing here is we're providing this improved fuel at the same price that they can put, they buy the most basic fuel. Um, yeah. And that allows them to cook with a cleaner energy source and it allows them to um, kind of have a healthier lifestyle and they don't have to be breathing in all the smoke associated with cooking yeah. firewood and charcoal. Yeah. Um, and that has God. huge health implications to these these people. I think something, well, yeah. from the statistics that we've we've looked at with our partners for this development project, about 70% of households have had respiratory problems from charcoal cooking in the last five years, which is an astounding number. I mean, yeah. considering the city's only 500,000 people strong, that's almost, what, four, 425,000 people have had somebody yeah. in their family with these respiratory problems. And we're talking kind of cancer or pneumonia and, you know, big things that... that yeah, exactly. Um, and so that's from from kind of what spurred out of just a sanitation solution is really driving us forward now is is the access for our users for who thought energy. who thought the who thought that poo would be the substitute to fossil fuels i had no idea that was even a thing <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's really surprising um actually i the more i look into this the more the more I'm astounded at what we can do with it. Just, well, some of my research has, has gone into looking at how much waste has been an effector for climate change. So um, I know you yeah, probably, you and your, your uh, listeners probably know about uh, cows and them producing methane from their waste and burping and farting and all that jazz. It's It's even more astounding that Pit latrines. So, what we're doing with with replacing them, um, pit latrines account for something like five percent of all um, human uh, greenhouse gas emissions. What is pipitrines? Am I being stupid? <laughs> oh, it's what I it's what I described before. So, the hole in the ground. Um, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, the the rudimentary yeah. form of a toilet, essentially. Five percent globally. Well, I mean, you you did say yeah. that you know billions of people use this this form of of toilets, so it does make yeah. a bit of sense if you think about it. But yeah, I didn't know any of that. I was I was so surprised when I first heard it. I mean, I I originally thought you know it's got to be from power plants or it's got to be from yeah. cars driving, but five percent is is quite a big number, especially the amount of. The amount of impact we can have with changing them is is quite considerable. Yeah, just just five percent is massive on the on the global environment. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So you're not only addressing the the pipitrines, uh, you know, emissions, but you're also you know using it as a substitute for charcoal and other fossil fuels that they would otherwise use. Yes. Yeah. And there's, I mean, it's, it's remarkable. Bit, it's almost twofold as well because those trees that they had to chop down can can stay up and they can. Yeah. Uh, well, they're they're not they're not recycling that 
carbon back into the atmosphere from from the trees which is cool. oh and this sound this sounds way too good to be true there must there must be a there must be a catch here what, what's the catch <laughs> yeah well the catch is we've we've got to prove that it works so the technology is there for what we're doing we've just got to prove that first of all that people use our systems so there's a cultural change that needs to happen um, from the communities that we work with um, in order for them to go from using their normal toilet or what they normally do to to kind of alleviate themselves to going to use this new technology that they haven't experienced before so that's that's the first hurdle that we've got to come across and then the second one is uh, utilizing the gas and understanding how we can reduce the barriers for those people to use the gas because imagine you're you're kind of you're in your own uh your own home your own environment where you're traditionally cooking with with firewood and charcoal and then all of a sudden this this new fuel comes along and you you first of all you don't you've never really experienced cooking with gas before because lpg is too yeah. expensive and you've never you've never really utilized the equipment before so it's all new technology it's all unfamiliar and then also um you know that it comes from your waste and so there's that, that stigma as well that we've got to overcome. yeah it's true we've got to really promote the fact that this is a health incentive it's um it provides them uh more reliance on uh on themselves instead of relying on kind of uh, the charcoal that comes in because sometimes that's uh, not that's not a stable market. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I know certainly in Kenya they had a logging ban in 2018, which meant that the ch- price of charcoal went up through the roof, something like 25 times more expensive than it had been before. And so if this happens in other places, then you've got a massive problem with pricing. And mm. and I think I think just generally. Um, having a cleaner healthier fuel to use is an incentive but but there are definitely other barriers that we've got to how, address and that's how are you going to overcome that's only things that we can do through the development program. how are you going to overcome all of those uh yeah with difficulty but the first step for us is to put some systems in place and work with those communities to understand where the where the the problems lie and how we can address those those problems and that's what we'll be doing over the next two years uh so we'll be working very closely with uh, our partners in mozambique and um some schools and some communities mm. down there uh where we can we, we can truly get some feedback on on what what we're proposing yeah. um and then with that feedback we can iterate on our design and make it better we are working with our part so our partner in mozambique is is very involved in the communities already um, doing a lot of development programs and so we're bouncing off their relationship and their standing within those within those communities to um, help promote our systems and use of our systems and education around the sanitation risks and um, the benefits of having an improved mm, I see. Uh, energy source. How, this all sounds r- like really good, but it also sounds really 
expensive so how how's how's the whole funding structure work for, for you because there must be a lot of funding yes. that you need to raise for this yes yeah so with the development program a lot of what we're doing goes in towards materials so for building three systems it gets quite expensive um, especially because these are these are large systems and um, they are using solar power um, battery packs that kind of quite expensive items um, and so it required us to raise a considerable amount of money in order to run this program and validate and allow us to validate our, our business model assumptions and our product within the market and so a lot of my time went into figuring out a strategy for doing that before before well when i was setting up the company and we had the opportunity to visit kenya through innovate uk's energy catalyst missions what that is is essentially a brokering mission between uh, the uk and kenya to um, allow uk companies to meet kenyan companies and ngos and funding partners and really understand the market in Africa and how our solutions can be utilized within those markets. Um, and that got me on to uh, looking at Innovate UK grants. Um, and we proposed a project for Innovate UK, um, whereby it, it was essentially to, to validate our systems and our business model um, within Mozambique and to test our systems within Mozambique and basically bring the biofactory to a point where we can commercialize and start manufacturing and rolling these systems out. And we're, we're working with several partners on that. So we're working with the University of West of England who are doing a tech piece on us, on an element of our system. Um, and we're working with uh, a, uh, a charity based in Bristol which is responsible for twinning of the city of Bristol and the city of Beira in Mozambique. And then we're working with an NGO based in Mozambique who are doing a lot of uh, development programs there. And so we, we linked all together in order to build this project where we would validate basically our product um, and, our, and the way that we're going to yeah. kind of commercialize, um, presented it to Innovate UK in one of one of the grant applications and in december we were told that we were successful um in getting a eight hundred and fifty thousand pound wow. project approved for, for through innovate uk and then it was just a matter of raising some match funding for the for the, our work done at the biofactory um in order to kind of fulfill that wow fulfill that grant yeah so yeah it big, is big numbers big, a lot numbers, of zeros but yeah yeah which is scary considering uh i've never done anything yeah. like, like what that was before. kind of running through your mind when uh when that did that, when that email like i suppose came through and then you know that number wasn't the email eight hundred and fifty thousand. Oh, it was mad i was i was actually um i was actually in kenya when i received the email so i was out in the middle of nowhere um, and we didn't have any phone reception, didn't have any internet connection. Um, and I got, I knew that the results were coming out that day. Um, but we, we had no way of getting any, 
getting any information uh, in this in this forest that we were in in Kenya, um, and so we had to drive out of the forest and up to the <laughs> just to hill. find out the results. Yeah, well, I actually got a phone call from from one of our partners, um, and he told he told me we got it, and I just. Uh, I just felt like I was just astounded. Uh, yeah, I had to sit down for a little while. On the, that must <laughs> have been a very road. nervous uh, drive to the top of the hill. Yeah, it was. It was, but very, very worth it. Well worth it. Um, no, I was super excited. Have you have you spent all that? Have you spent all the money now? Or are you still there's still some no, stuff so, that you have to so spend we, on? Yeah, we we've only just started the project, so we've been running it for about a month now, um, and the. The way the money works is that Innovate UK um, are providing about 70% of our funding, but we can only claim that back after we've spent it. So we've got a, we had to raise private investment to match on that Innovate fund. Oh, okay. I see. Um, and we're using that money to, we're basically spending that money and reclaiming, reclaiming it from Innovate UK as we go. Um, I understand. So it's a bit, it's a bit awkward in terms of our cash flow um, because yeah, I was just thinking that yeah, there's well we you have to we, spend before you get it back yeah, and it and they only repay you quarterly, so we've essentially got we've got to spend money for for three months um, and then we've got to submit a claim which takes about a month and a half for the money to get back to us, so we've we've almost got a four and a half month cash deficit that we've got to manage yeah um which is quite interesting um and so we had to we had to over we had to raise more than what we initially thought um that we yeah. had to but it's uh it's really exciting it's really exciting and we've got some really good investors involved um yeah it sounds really exciting i, I want to ask two questions on the back of that yeah how i get i guess my the question in the forefront of my mind is how did how did you start piloting in Mozambique? Like, how did that sort of conversation come about? How did you even know where to look for something like that? Well, we're we're based in Bath, um, and we're involved quite well. I'd, I'd say we we've got good involvement in the entrepreneurial network around Bath, Bristol, um, and so I meet a lot of people, and and one of the people that I met. Um, quite a long time ago, actually, is is a guy called Dom uh, Dominic Byrne, and he's he's involved with a small uh, charity based in Bristol, which is the Bristol Link to Beira. Um, the chat, well, they, I think they are the charity responsible for the twinning of the city of Bristol and the city of Beira, and so we had started this conversation quite early on in in the company's life um, about how there's potential for us to work together. Um, and it, that really excited me. And it was a great place to pilot our systems because they've got a lot of experience. In yeah, that, definitely. Um, and we, it, it got to the point where we had this opportunity to apply for this grant and it just made sense to, to go down that route. Um, I think, yeah. I, I think they're a fantastic partner to have, um, and they've got this this really strong relationship with our other partner on the ground um, in Mozambique, and they've been working together for something like thirty years. So there's there's a there's a a good amount of kind of uh, confidence that I've got in in that in that relationship. 
and their ability to execute on projects. Um, and so it just made just made sense. Um, it's exactly the target mm, market yeah. that we're looking to address. Um, so we've we went with them and built this well, hopefully very successful project. <laughs> that was my next question actually about um, because you said that the pilot's been going on for a few months. How how yeah, are the initial been, results looking? So we haven't we haven't actually put anything down on the ground yet. Um, so the project. Oh, you're just going, in the construction phase. Yeah, the project's been going for a month. Um, so this is a this is a two year development project um, where we will be first of all building one system in the UK in order to prove that um, everything can be built and um, improve the design so that it works with uh, the communities that we're looking at in in Mozambique. And then that will also give us a test bed to do any development work on the on the product back in the UK where our design team is going to be based. Um, after that's been built, we will go out to Mozambique and, and build two systems there and install them into uh, two schools within, uh, within Beirut City. Um, and then we'll be doing a lot of kind of monitoring and analysis of the data that comes in from that and, and really understanding the uh, the needs of the users. Um, in fact, we're working with a couple of other kind of support partners in order to get some data collection tools up and running so that we can uh, get kind of almost instantaneous feedback from our users on the uh, on the performance of our system, which will be essential in kind of evaluating our impact. It, so it sounds like an incredible business and it sounds like something that's ex incredibly exciting to be a part of uh, because it is it's changing people's lives these are real people and i guess with a lot of businesses uh yeah i mean that doesn't always happen so it must be really rewarding for you oh it's fantastic i'm i'm really excited to be doing the next steps um we're we're recruiting as well and we've recently brought on a couple of um em employees into the company and and that's also really exciting because it's only really been me uh since from since when i graduated which was almost two years ago now um and so it feels yeah. like there's a lot of momentum happening and, and the fact that we're working with these partners um, as well is really bringing kind of a lot of life into the into the project and the company and, and it's exciting to see things take a step forward yeah definitely um, yeah no it sounds it sounds incredibly exciting where do you kind of see the future of it where do you kind of see i want to say end goal yeah but... I mean, there's so much out there oh, for yeah. you to, to tackle now. Um, the work's only just begun. Oh, it has. It has. Uh, so, I mean, our, our strategy at the Biofactory is, is an interesting one. Uh, what we're planning on doing is, is working with uh, delivery partners. So similar to our partner in, in Mozambique at the moment, we're looking to work with NGOs or companies that have long-term uh, experience within small communities um, in sub-Saharan Africa. So um, that way we can really understand kind of the needs of their users uh, and, and kind of really get to grips with a strategy on how to implement our systems at a large scale. Um, and this way we can, well, well, with these partners, we are, are working on, um, a financing method in order to leverage 
large institutional funds in order to cover the capital requirement to put these systems in. And then over a period of about three years, our delivery partners can recover their investment through biogas sales um, and then generate a recurring yeah. income for them in the future. And hopefully with this with this business model um, and this financial incentive for these, for these companies, we can implement a large amount of systems across a relatively small region in a very quick amount of time. So our partner on the ground, um, they're, they're called Adele Safala, but they, they don't have a huge amount of um, funding available to them because it's all based on project work. But doing it this way, they can have access to a large amount of, of cash in order to put a lot of systems in place quickly. Um, and with them, we've, we've uh, figured out that the, the capacity for Beira City is about 1,500 systems. Um, and that's just in one one city with about half a million people. How quickly would the return on investment be for like the, the, the delivery partners to invest in one of these structures? Yeah, so we're we're looking at selling each system for about fifteen grand, um, and that's that sounds like quite a lot of money. But when you consider building improved constructed toilets um, for the same amount of people, it's it's actually about the same. Yeah. Um, so if you think just a, an improved toilet system um, for 250 people, which is what our system serves, that's that's only maybe a couple of grand less than what we're selling our systems for. Um, and considering that each one of our systems generates about six and a half grand of, of biogas per year, they can use that money to not only cover the maintenance and and cleaning costs associated with each system, but they can repay their loan very easily over about a period of three years. Um, and then any wow. any money generated after <laughs> That's that. That's better than a lot of other investments. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, and then any money they generate after that three-year period is is goes back towards cleaning the system or they can use it to do other development projects or they can use it to... Yeah. Um, expand their company operation within the area and really kind of have a have a have a much well I was going to say threefold uh, increase in their activity, but that depends on. Forget know. all the other investments. This is where it's at. Who is where it's at? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. Just keep promoting that. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, it was such a you know a pleasure meeting you and 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 speaking about the biofactories. It's it's definitely a business that I will follow because I love your mission and I really wish you the best of success moving forward. That's awesome, Cena. Thank you very much for having me. Really, really enjoyed this time talking with you. I hope your listeners have uh, has uh, found it just as interesting as I have. I'm sh- I'm sure they have. I'm sure they have. How can people stay in touch with with you and the biofactory? So we're we're actually pretty uh pretty bad at our social media and apologies about that we're quite a small team and i'm not i'm more more focused on other things um but we do have a website that it would be great if people could check out got a lot more information about what we're doing and and the problems uh, with energy and sanitation especially in sub-saharan africa um so that that web address is um the hyphen biofactory.com um, I'll I'm put sure, the link in the description. I'm sure you can put the link in the description. That would be great. Yeah, yeah, don't worry. Um, and then also um, follow us on LinkedIn 
is where we probably post the most um, and we'll be we'll be hoping to do a lot more as the as the development project goes ahead and we'll get a lot more media content available for, through pictures and videos and all sorts um, so yeah follow yeah. us on there that'd be great sounds amazing oh, and if any any of your listeners have any useful links for us that would be that would be fantastic any any personal connections with people that we might be interested in talking to um, I'd love to I'm hear sure, yeah I'm sure I'm sure they will we've got, we've got on the website for, for anyone who wants to reach out sounds amazing thanks again Owen thank you very much cheers thanks for listening to this episode of the Millennial Entrepreneur Podcast it was an amazing talk with uh, Owen from Biofactory absolutely amazing and definitely check him out on LinkedIn and Facebook uh, because yeah he's got an amazing product and it's definitely going to expand in the future I've also got another opportunity for you guys if you are an entrepreneur with a startup idea looking for a place to pitch uh, I'm actually applying somewhere it's called the MSD UK Innovation Challenge and they're looking for startups or scale-ups that can pitch from categories like advanced digital technologies, healthcare and well-being, sustainable futures and social innovation. For the opportunity to pitch uh, in front of global brands and investors, there's big prizes involved as well. Uh, so previous winners have been offered scholarships to attend Ivy League's Turk School of Business in Dartmouth. There's corporate mentoring from Accenture and tailored introductions from uh, with global brands to support growth. So yeah, I'm definitely applying and the application is closed on the 29th of May. Uh, I'll put that link in the description. Thanks for listening again, and my name is Messina Sadzada. I'll see you in the next episode.